Welcome to Business with Beers. I am your host, Brian Beers. This is a podcast for business owners who want to scale their business to massively grow their income and contribution by investing in people, process, and technology. This week, I've got an amazing show with Kevin Snow. Kevin is an entrepreneur that helps companies improve their outbound sales and marketing processes. Kevin and I have a great conversation about the trap of wanting to say yes to everything as possible, which ultimately dilutes your focus and productivity. Kevin shares some insight into the life cycle of a sales process and the most common mistakes that salespeople make that ultimately scare off potential customers. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with some friends, rate and review with your favorite part to help us reach more people. Before I get into the show, I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer from a company that I currently use called MyOutDesk. MyOutDesk offers professional virtual assistant services, and they also happen to be rated the number one virtual assistant company by TechRadar with over 700 five-star reviews. My friends and associates are among the thousands of very satisfied customers. I get a lot of listeners asking questions on scaling while maintaining their costs. And I use MyOutDesk to save 70% versus a traditional hire. So for Business with Beers listeners, MyOutDesk is offering a free double your business strategy session. Simply go to MyOutDesk.com slash beers, as in my last name, to schedule a call. And on this call, you can work one-on-one with one of their business consultants to design an action strategy to hire and launch a virtual assistant into your business today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics covered in the podcast, check out BrianBeers.com to connect with me and sign up for a newsletter delivering content directly to your inbox. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Brian. It's awesome to be here. I'm excited to uh, chat with you today. Awesome. Well, this wouldn't be business with beers if I didn't ask you that me and you are at a bar up in uh, Minnesota or wherever you like. Uh, What are we drinking? Oh, my beer taste kind of changes during the season. Uh, In the winter, I tend to go for, I I love a Guinness. I love the dark stouts. So I'll usually grab one of those. We'll definitely be at one of our uh, micro brews up here because we have a ton of them. Uh, Can't go around the corner without seeing another one. Uh, But in the summer, I really go for like the shandies, you know, like uh, I love the grapefruit shandy which is awesome for me. So uh, I, I kind of rotate. It kind of depends on the season and what's going on. So, yep. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't want to drink a, a dark Guinness like in summer out at, at the pool. Yeah. So I, I I have, I'm not going to lie, but it's usually like I've had one. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I'm kind of full now. So that's awesome. Uh, so to, to start, if you could give us your journey, maybe from like 18 years old out of high school, oh. kind of like, you know, and you can speed it up if you right. like, but give us just an overview of kind of where you came from and where you're at now. And then we'll get into kind of what you do uh, along the way. Sure. So real quick, in the early years, uh, as senior year in high school, I actually wanted to join the Army. I wanted to go do the Intel soldier thing, military intelligence, have fun. All of them told me no, uh, because I wasn't like the perfect student. You know, I didn't have the 4.0 and all that type of stuff. So I'm like, fine, whatever. I'm going to go to go to college and wrestle. So I went to South Dakota State, um, had maybe six majors during my time there. Uh, my senior year, my last semester, I went to my parents and said, hey, I want to change my major again to marketing. 
And they're like, no, you're graduating in May. <laughs> you're done. Uh, so I graduated with a, a teaching degree. I'm supposed to be a high school ag teacher and coaching wrestling right now. Obviously, that never happened. So uh, graduated, moved up to uh, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, got a job with a tech firm, a long distance carrier, nationwide long distance carrier doing sales and client support, which was really cool. Uh, that really got me hooked in the technology space because I loved learning all the details about how phone calls work. I had to know all the technology and how it's routed and everything. So it was really cool. And it really sucked me into that tech tech uh, area. So I did that, sold Nextel for a while after that, was their number one rep in the market, the President's Council uh, nationwide, had a lot of fun doing figuring out the B2B value sale there. Uh, and while I was in, in doing the Nextel thing, I got involved with a networking organization called uh, BNI. You might have heard of it, mm -hmm. largest one in the world. Uh, and I actually started being, I became a director for them where I was actually working with other businesses. And helping them figure out how to do this word to, or person-to-person uh, uh, -person networking and word-of-mouth marketing thing correctly and effectively, uh, launching chapters. And it was really cool. I found I was pretty good at it. And people started asking me to come teach their teams. So other franchise owners, other uh, B&I regions would call me up and say, hey, you're really good at this chapter launch thing. Come teach my team and we'll pay you for it. I'm like, Okay, this is awesome. Uh, so that's how my company actually started because I needed a place to take payments. <laughs> so it wasn't, I didn't start time on target originally because I was like, oh, I want to be a business owner and I have this really cool idea. It's like, because people were giving me money and I needed a, a place to, I needed a bank account. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's Funny. really odd. Yeah. Uh, so I did that and it was really cool. I started speaking at conferences. I started working, doing uh, presentations for business organizations and companies started hiring me to come in and do training for networking. So it was really cool. It turned into a, a, a really awesome opportunity for me. And then uh, remember I mentioned the 18-year-old me wanted to mm -hmm. join the military and they told me no. Uh, well, when I was 34, I enlisted. Oh, wow. Okay. And I uh, went to basic training, came back, did officer candidate school, got commissioned as a second lieutenant. Um, they did give me the job I wanted this time. So it was cool. And th but then I had to deploy. So in 2010, I went over to uh, Kuwait, spent uh, a year driving all over Iraq, got to see the entire country, got to spend a month in Afghanistan. Uh, but then when I came back, I had nothing on my calendar for speaking gigs and I had nothing in my pipeline. So I had my first major oh shit moment as a business owner, mm -hmm. realizing that, wow, I've just figured out the major flaw in my business plan. It can't survive me being gone. I realized that all I had was a, a really cool job with a really nice title. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually have a business. So I made a huge pivot at that point. Uh, and I pivoted from doing the speaking thing where I was a product to actually consulting, where I started going into tech firms and helping them actually launch their sales team. So there's, these were all companies that were at their second stage growth. Uh, they'd had some success. They were now starting to add manpower and they need to scale the, the revenue accordingly. But they were all self-aware enough to know that they didn't know how to manage salespeople. 
and needed help to do it right. So we'd come in and help them do the entire thing, figure out what their job description was, teach them how to interview and hire. We'd help them figure out sales process. We'd help them figure out training. You know, we'd get them all on board and then be able to say, sweet, here you go. Here's your sales manual for your company. You have a team of three. Let me know if we can help you in the, in the future. And it was really cool. We also would do rehabbing for companies. So we'd come in and do the exact same thing for existing teams and help them fix their program. But I started finding out there were certain parts in that process that were huge roadblocks for me where I was not able to scale effectively. Uh, one of them was the interviewing stage. So when we were actually mm -hmm. doing the hiring, if you're hiring three salespeople at a time, there's a lot of interviews that go on, I, did, I found. And I could only have that one client going. I couldn't have like two or three of them at the same stage because I would literally not sleep for, for a month. So I had I started narrowing down my focus. And we started getting rid of the hiring and the job description stuff and really focusing on the sales process, uh, how they were interacting with their sales team. Uh, and I loved working with the companies and figuring out how their clients made purchasing decisions. So actually getting in front of their clients and, and interviewing them and taking that and matching that towards what their teams are telling me about how they were selling and what they had for marketing processes already, and then making them all fit together. So they were running in parallel. Okay. And, and it was awesome because I've, I've discovered I'm very process driven. So it was cool for me. All right. Yeah. And so that's a great uh, lesson too, is, you know, you had all these different lines that you were working, like you said, you were helping with sales and marketing and interviewing. And, and at a certain point, you know, we want to take on as much as we can, but then we realized we're, we're actually like diluted, yep. we've diversified, but then to the point of dilution. And now we're ineffective at many things versus like, you know, you taking the approach is, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to cut these parts out of my business and get laser focused on this other part, the, the marketing and sales process, which then you can go full fledged and probably get better results than if you were continued to be diluted. Um, so that's a, that's a great lesson for, for anyone and good job. I mean, being proactive with that instead <laughs> of, you know, getting the point of breaking and then, and then having to figure it out. Well, and I think the breaking part is actually how businesses learn and how they scale. You know, we teach our clients, you know, what the ones I'm working with and then the ones me and my business partner work with is like, go sell stuff. Don't try and figure out all the back end, what you need to support your product. Go sell clients, go start bringing in revenue and stress your system. So you can actually see where it's weak and where you need to make adjustments, you know, especially in the tech world, because most people are, are the high C personality. So they're really over analytical and they're strategic mm. and they want to think through and, you know, I'll do all what if this happens and what do we do? And they want to have this perfect plan and perfect doesn't work. There's no such thing as a perfect plan. That's something I learned in the military really quickly was an 80% plan now is better than a hundred percent perfect plan too late. Yep. So it's much better for a business to go out, sell some bigger clients, stretch their stretch their wings, so to speak, and then figure out, oh, here's here's something we broke. How do we fix it? And then keep moving forward. So I, I think the breaking thing is good. And it's and that's our model for uh, for my company and for success champions is let's go break shit. And that's, you know, that's literally what we tell ourselves when we try. We think of a new plan. Well, let's go see. Let's see what it does. Yep, we've done that in my business. We operate a chain of automotive repair shops and we've grown it from six to twelve to twenty. And oh, wow. now we're planning to get to thirty. And each time we've we've added the stores, we we bought them, we acquired them, then it's kind of, you know, then it's like, all right, now we gotta figure out 
you know, cause the company changes, right. As we add more and more people and, and, you know, obviously there's levels of hierarchy and systems and process become more important. But you know, if we, if we planned it all out and you get stuck in this analysis paralysis, you know, we, we may have not, cause then we, we would have overthought everything. And then, then, you know, people have, you have limiting beliefs thinking, all right, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And you know, then you just don't take the action yep. versus, you know, our, our philosophy is, Hey, we will figure it out. Like this, this isn't rocket science. Like someone has done this before. You know, if they can do it, I can do it. And uh, so and, and you build confidence, right? The more you do this for us, the more stores we buy, you know, and, and the bigger we grow, we have confidence that, you know, one, two, three, four, ten 10 more, we can, we can handle it. And, and we may stumble for six months, but you know, we will get it and then we'll be stronger. And that allows us for the next level up and the next stair step approach to continue to grow. And so um, I think that's, that's key points, just getting over that fear. And like you said, get the sales, get that big customer and then, then go figure it out afterwards. Cause if you don't have sales, like mm -hmm. you're not going to have cash flow to, to pay for people and buy the fancy software and do all these other things. So you need the sales first. Exactly. And I'm sure the first time you bought a new location or added on a location, there is a, a, a huge pucker factor of, oh, my God, now what do we do? How do we integrate this existing store now into the, our family? Yep, the, how do yep. how do we turn up, you know, turn on this whole new location? And but now it's, there's probably a process for how you do it. You know how to integrate that that location that you purchased or when you just, oh, we're going to open here and you go find that location, you have to stand it up. Now, uh, now you're looking at, all right, so how, how does that change the upper levels? So, you know, as you do these things over and over, it's muscle memory. It's just like a learning a sport. You figure it out. It's like, oh, I got this. Now we can do this. This is easy. What are my, the new challenges that, that this makes for my business? Oh, I need more people at this level to support them. I need people in, in, uh, in the logistics side, buying parts and making sure everyone's got the things they need. So it's not at a store level. And it, it's just, it continues to up level. And it expands your your abilities and your your yep. skills, and we become more profitable with with leverage, right? We're able to move a, a bigger stone because we already have the infrastructure of an office. We have support system, right? For us, you know, in the markets that we operate in, to add uh, stores, you know, we, we have all of our fixed costs covered, yep. right? So, so as we grow, it becomes more profitable as well, and it can work into everything we've got, and so. Anyway, that, that's all. Those are all great lessons uh, to to learn. I'm curious on a, on a couple of things you said earlier, BNI and networking. Can you speak on that a little bit in terms of you know what's the value of networking? Why should someone join a local group? What are some of the benefits, um, pros and cons? If you could dive in that quickly. Yeah, I I'm a huge proponent of networking. I think it is something that every business owner, every person in sales needs to be doing. You and it doesn't necessarily have to be just with like a networking group. There are some huge advantages to joining a BNI or Success Champions Networking or any of the other ones. You learn how to, uh, uh, if they're doing a good job of training, they're, they're going to teach you how to really boil down your value statement of what you do and how you help. So it's easy for people to understand, which is key. Most business owners don't know how to explain what they do mm -hmm. so that random people understand and okay. can say, oh, you need to meet this person. So the networking groups are really awesome for that because you got to train a ton of people and it's repetition. You have to keep telling your story and you figure out what triggers, what doesn't trigger. And eventually you're going to have this really good, succinct 60 seconds okay. elevator pitch. So for BNI, and I don't, I know the name, but I don't know what it no specifically, but so group of entrepreneurs, they meet on a regular basis. Do they, is there, you said there's training involved, yep. I guess, leadership training, uh, who can yep. help each other? Like what's it, 
social aspect, business aspect? Can you kind of go into overview of just yeah. what it looks like? So there's different types of networking. So you have like your chamber networking where it's really less formal. It's different events. You go there, you're really on your own doing stuff. But then you have organizations like BNI, Success Champions Networking, Master Networks, all those where it's, it's more of a hard contact where they meet once a week. It's one person per profession at the meeting. And the focus is on building your network and passing referrals. That is the whole reason you're going to the meeting is to figure out who you can have a referral for and who and figuring out how you can get referrals. So within, I know within BNI and within the organization we launched, Success Champions Networking, we do training. You know, it's all about helping those people maximize their membership figuring out, learning how to have the the referral conversations. Mm -hmm. Most people don't understand how to have a referral conversation or even what a referral really is. So it's a lot of getting them, you know, ramped up and figuring out how to maximize their time. As business owners, we don't have a ton of time to sit in meetings that don't produce business or don't produce revenue or don't drive us forward. So it's really helping them understand how, how do you do this? Uh, there is usually leadership team training, you know, teaching members, hey, here's how you facilitate your chapter. Here's how you work with your members, make sure they're being successful. Uh, but it's really focused on how for in success champions, our focus is on how you grow your business, how you take these referrals and this additional revenue and how you scale. How do you actually add on headcount? How do you actually add on locations? You know, what does scaling look for each company and helping them keep moving forward so they don't get stuck in this area where they're like, you know, I have all this business coming in, but I don't know how to 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 fulfill it. And I have so I, I just gotta stop networking. Hmm. No, keep networking, keep building. Let's figure out how to grow so that you can keep being successful. Okay. That's great. Let's talk about sales process. So okay. you get you get hired to to a company. Maybe can you give us an example too of the type of technology company that would be a potential client. And then do you get hired? Kind of walk us through your process. How do you analyze the maybe the it's a got an existing process? How do you analyze it? And then what are the what are the kind of key things you're looking at to improve and to turn and to change to get them on a more profitable, uh, productive path? So I work with a wide array of technology firms. I love cybersecurity companies, uh, software as a service firms, uh, MSPs. I've even done some security alarm system companies. Uh, are these, are these B2B companies? Yep, okay. all B2B. Okay. Uh, really is what I'm focused on. That's where all my sales experience was at. I could probably, I, I know I could figure out how to do B2C and the, the minor adjustments, but I like focusing right on the B2B. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more fun. Uh, and it, I think for my clients, you know, when I was selling, closing the big B2B sale was a rush and it was awesome. So I kind of like seeing that end result for my clients too when they close that big deal using my process. It's like, sweet, I helped them do that. It's really cool. So when we come into a client, the really focus is we have kind of have a parallel process we follow. One is really understanding what the salespeople are doing and what their existing process is and if there even is one. Uh, So it really depends on, you know, do they have multiple salespeople? Is it just the owner doing stuff? But then we're also going out and we're interviewing their clients. So we're talking to their best clients. We're talking to clients who didn't buy 
uh, which is always a fun conversation. Uh, you, you're, you're calling me why again? Uh, so, and then the people who have uh, purchased from them and then left. So we get kind of the whole 360 uh, view of their client base. And we ask them uh, questions about, you know, the buying process. It's really for us understanding how that person made the decision and what questions they were asking along the way and how they determined what their uh, purchasing criteria was, how they moved from step to step. Uh, and so that we could then match up the two processes. So we want to, the bit, one of the biggest things that screws up your sales process is when the salesperson gets ahead of the purchaser and they're trying to hit the close, but they're still in the, the consideration phase. Mm-hmm. And, and you get that used car salesman feel then where it turns off the buyer. So we want we when we're working with the process, we're really focused on making sure that the salesperson has all the right triggers in place to understand that the buyer has now moved to that next stage of their process so that they can kind of follow along and then focusing on. All right. So how do we get content to that purchaser at the right time? You know, so they're at they're at a uh, they're at the kind of status quo stage where they don't really understand that they have a problem. Yes. Yeah, so what what are the stages? Yep. Do you have them defined like names? Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of follow uh, and, and it changes based on how I'm selling. I found so there's the uh, there's that status quo stage where the client's just out there. You happen to get in front of them, but they don't even know they have a problem. They think everything's running really cool. Then you have the awareness stage where they're like, "Well, we have this thing going on." And we're trying to figure out if we actually need to do something about it. Okay. Uh, and, you know, and at that point, they're doing nothing is still an option. Yep. Yeah, they're so aware that they, there's a potential issue, but, you know, the to solve it may work create more work and issues than the problem itself, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. So status quo, awareness. And then they move into that that consideration phase where they're actually looking at different options and trying to figure out, all right, so what are our criteria? How are, you know, what do we need to do? Which one fits for us? Uh, you know, pricing, features, you know, end mm-hmm. results, all that type of stuff is that okay. next stage. And then we go through the decision phase where they're actually making the purchasing phase, uh, decision. And then the final phase is that uh, long-term loyalty phase where you're now working with them on keeping them a client and keeping them happy and, and leveraging them into additional business. Okay. And so where do you find that they get... Your, 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 where do they get stuck the most with, with the companies that you work with? Is it awareness? Is it consideration? Is it somewhere in between? Well, they usually jump from the awareness stage. Most salespeople are really there. They, they want to get the sale. They want to get that deal because that's what pays their check. So they'll jump from that awareness stage to the decision. Mm-hmm. And okay. they'll, they won't spend enough time with the consideration, building the value and really understanding what the client needs and then building that solution to fit what their needs is. They, they go, especially in the tech firm, because, you know, a lot of us are the, the bells and whistles and we love the, all the cool stuff. They jump into a lot of feature selling and they don't really look at, all right, so how do the features actually impact the client? You know, what is the end result for them? Yeah, you have to be solving a problem. You know, people 
people want to solve their problems yep. for, for the most part, right? Unless you're buying a boat or something that's this, you know, life, other life thing, you're, you're trying to solve a problem. So if they don't narrow down what the problem is and then how their product specifically solves it, like there's a disconnection. And, you know, I, people don't care about features and benefits. They just care, is this going to solve my problem and simplify my life or not? And um, yeah, I think that's that's super common, right? Where the sales guy just, just goes directly for the close and mm-hmm. wants you to like, sign the thing on the end of the call and you're like, <laughs> you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like th- then you feel too as the client and we've gone through this recently, like, is this just like a high volume thing where they're just trying to get people in and they're not actually, don't actually care about me because they're, they're trying to get my credit card at the end of the first call, like versus are, are we truly solving my problem in, in the right decision and the right person, the right relationship. So yeah, definitely. When I started to shift into really just focusing on selling the process development and then the automation support for that process, I was all about features. I would jump into, you know, all the cool things we could do with the automation and and without any real uh, uh, strategy behind what I was saying. Once I got to the point where I was able to really talk about and understand what their issues were and what was going on in their world as a business owner. And I stopped talking about the features and started saying, Hey, here's how we can fix things for you. We can do let's we can do things like this. And then this is going to allow you to really do this thing. And you can now, you know, take these VAs that are doing uh, manual reach outs on Facebook and we can automate it with a, a chat bot. And now they can do this stuff freeing them up to do business generating stuff. And, you know, I can close a, uh, a six to 12 month uh, digital marketing retainer in one call now because I can get to that point. Yeah. And it's and it's because I've stopped talking about, hey, we can do SMS marketing and we can do postcards through the system and we can do this type of tracking. It's all about, hey, we can fix this issue you're having and that's going to allow you to do this. It's going to allow you to take your company to that next level. Yep. All right. So let's get into some of some of these automations you, you kind of touched on a little bit. So you found that there's the salespeople are do, doing too many, you know, I call them low value tasks, you know, so things that are administrative work that someone for $10 an hour or less, right, ever could do, you know, they should be focused on these higher value tasks that are the ones that actually, you know, closing the deal, prospecting the thing, the thing that that they're special and they can do. And if, if you sp- focus as much of your time on these high value tasks and as minimal on these low value, I mean, that's how you, you maximize your producti- productivity. So talk about some automation. What do you guys offer? What are some ways someone can kind of leverage their time and their life in order to um, you know, get rid of some of these low value tasks? So we look at two different types of automations when we're going into a, a sales process. One of them is the uh, tasks. So repetitive tasks like uh, entering contact information into multiple systems. So we look at how do we get rid of that type of stuff, the redundant activities that salespeople hate and dread. And then the other thing we look at is uh, repetitive communications. So when I was doing the corporate sales thing, I would do my meetings Monday through Thursday. And then Friday morning would be my, oh, I'm going to send out all my follow-up emails. And it'd be, hey, hey, Brian, thanks for meeting me this week. It was awesome to learn about your company, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I would not be like paying attention because this was not a high value task for me. I'd be thinking Mm -hmm. about other stuff. And I would forget to change the name in the email. I would forget to change the company name. So I'd be sending Brian an email that says, hey, Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. (laughs) Or, hey, Brenda, it was great meeting with you. Uh, And it was just horrible. And I'd hit send. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I just do? So we look at how we can automate that type of follow-up where it's email that you send all the time. 
that we can automate so that it goes out automatically. So we had a roofing company where I worked with a few years ago and the owner would go out and they do the pricing with the clients. So he'd go out and do all the measurement, the roof, windows, mm-hmm. siding, whatever you do. And then he would uh, click a button in his CRM saying he had completed the meeting and that would trigger a automated email going out to the client. Mm-hmm. And we had that one uh, set up as, Hey, it was great to meet with you yesterday. Choosing your roofer is a huge decision. There's a lot of irreputable businesses out there that are going to try and get your roofing business. Here's a checklist that you can use to make sure you are hiring the best person that's going to take care of your home and is not going to screw you over. And we'd give them this download where they could have all the questions they need to ask, okay. the types of answers they that's need cool. to get. Yeah. yeah, totally great content yeah, for that great person. Value add for a consumer who only has to buy a roof maybe once in their life if they live the same house for many yeah, years. Yeah. So, and and I don't know about how it is where uh, in Philadelphia, but in Minnesota, whenever we have a huge storm, we get stormers oh, coming yeah. in. We so we have all, yeah. we have all the people showing up at your door with this you know deep southern accent. We're like you're not from here. Where are you from? And it's like, oh, I'm with so-and-so and we're in Anoka. No, you're not in Anoka. <laughs> so uh, so that was a, that's a huge content piece for them. After they would then deliver the pricing, we had another automated email that had testimonials from people in the area so that they could actually see people who potentially were neighbors saying, yeah, I worked with Joe. He came out. He was awesome. He did all these things and it was fantastic. I highly recommend him. And and those were really key for him because now he wasn't figuring out how to do follow-ups. He wasn't searching for content and he was getting rid of objections before they happened because he was providing that content that was key. You can do the same thing in a B2B. It's just really understanding what those questions are that they ask. Mm-hmm. So it's you're getting that content in front of them and understand what the trigger is for them needing it. The other automation we do all the time is linking the system with a website so that when a person in the system visits a page, we know. And we're able to let the salesperson know, hey, your client is just on the pricing page. Mm-hmm. You know, someone buying a price, uh, looking at a pricing page is usually a buying decision queue. So, hey, your client's looking at our pricing page. You should follow up with them. So now we're triggering them. Hey, I'm going to do a reach out and talk to them and see what questions they have. And, and so for you guys, is it do you use Salesforce or a similar third party that you integrate with? Or is it all your own software that you, that you develop? Nope. We use a third party. Uh, developing that type of software takes way too much time to get all the cool bells and whistles that I need. So uh, Salesforce is awesome if you're a large business. And you have multiple different sales divisions that are selling different things, yep. but your ownership needs to have a rolled up sales report and forecast. Salesforce is awesome for that. It is horrible for a small business because yeah, yeah. it is just so hard to administer and customize. Yep. So we use a tool called Entreport. They're okay. out of they're out of Santa Barbara, California. They're awesome. They're really about business process automation. They have some really cool features. Uh, they're just launching dynamic content management systems for websites. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, but we use that to trigger and then integrate it with like their WordPress site or you know whatever where they have their website, so that we can actually track of uh, the visitors. So when a contact someone in the system uh, visits the site. It triggers uh, the system to do a notification to the team members. Hey, hey, Brian was just on your pricing site. Uh, give them a call. Okay. And what kind of success have you seen from that that roofer? You, you set up this this multi step process for him. What what are the results to him 
to, to so, invest in something like this? So for him, he actually increased his close rate by 20% okay. and shrunk his sales process by 15 Okay. So he was closing more and he actually closed things faster. He ended up hiring a, another crew okay. to do yeah. roofs. So it was, you know, and, and it freed up his time because he could talk to more clients, but then he could also do the business owner stuff of scaling your business and having that strategic thinking of, all right, how do I get bigger? If you're just trying to, if your whole time is spent trying to do this admin stuff and just getting you know, the, the minimum sales in you need to run your business, you're never going to grow. You're never going to have the time to think about how do I get bigger? How do I add a team? What does that look like? How do I, I need an office manager now. How do I do that? Yep. You can't have the bigger thoughts if you're stuck just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. For, for us, you know, in our business, we, we, you know, fix cars, we, we fix a lot of them, you know, and it's, it's B2C obviously. Uh, but, but one of the big things that we're missing is, is this follow-up process, right? So yep. someone comes in, gets their brakes checked out and maybe they decline it, or, you know, maybe we get the brakes done and we also recommend tires, but they don't get the tires done that day. You know, there, there are some processes through, you know, it's a franchise through the franchise that they get some automated direct mail, but you know, but the vision I have is something like that, where they're getting this, mm-hmm. you know, the follow-up email, you know, here are the things to look out for. Hey, when you're considering buying new tires, whatever, this is the, the, the checklist, you know, here are testimonials. Like I said, all that is is great stuff. It's just for us thinking at scale, how to, how to do that. And then also there's like a technological component where if, if that customer comes in the next day and gets the tires done, like, I don't want the system to continue to send them like messages on mm-hmm. why they should buy tires from us. And so I think that's where we get lost in, you know, the, can our system communicate like that? Because it's, there's, there's so many transactions um, that I'm stuck, but I, but I, but I know that if we followed up, we'd get more sales and that the follow-up is how I, you know, as a buying customer, you know, buy more things, people follow up with me. I say, Oh yeah, that's right. I, I do want to get it done. I have just been putting it off. Mm-hmm. So any, any advice for me of, of what I could do or where I should look? So lifecycle automations are awesome. We actually just set one of these up for an accounting firm. So we took the whole year and looked at, all right, so what are the dates? You know, what are the things your businesses need to do for their accounting and taxes uh, that they need to be aware of uh, and set it up in an automation? So, you know, January, you know, January 1st, they get an email about, all right, end of year taxes, and here's your tax planning schedule. And with links to meet with their advisor. Mm. And, and then we throw in quarterly reviews, you know, birthday, uh, hey, happy birthday. So there's a cool little birthday card in there that we email out. Uh, if we know family stuff, we'll throw in, you know, anniversary recognition, all that type of stuff too. But it frees up for them. It was huge because it freed up. They didn't have to call their all their clients and say, all right, let's talk about your uh, fourth quarter estimated taxes. It goes out with a link to, hey, schedule a call. If you have questions, here's what we need from you, blah, blah, blah. And it freed up their advisor's time and they're getting pro they're able to spend, uh, you know, spread out the work earlier, you know, accountants, business owners, the last thing we want to do is pay taxes. So we always wait till the end, yeah, but this, yeah. this proactive reach outs allowing people to get ahead of it and make sure they're, they're not, you know, scrambling at the end and, and stressing out the accounting firm. That's one of the big, um, issues for accounting firms and at certain times of year, it's like, yeah, I don't do business development because all I'm doing is this. It's work. Yep. It's yep. work. So if they're able to spread that out and actually take care of some clients sooner in the cycle, as opposed to right at the end, they can do consistent business development, which is huge for their revenue. 
Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we could do something like that where it's just, you know, uh, seasonal messages, yep. maybe not specific follow-ups, but at least it's top of mind and, you know, adding value uh, for consideration. So. Yeah, and and for, for because of what you do, it has so many transactions. The the specific, hey, don't forget to get your tires rotated. You know that type of mm-hmm. thing uh, would really have to be tied into that actual system somehow. There yeah. they would have to have its own module that's able to track what's doing at that level. Otherwise, you're going to be sending a lot of data back and forth between two systems, and that and the more data you're trying to send back and forth, the more chance for it to break. Yep, hundred percent. So. Awesome. Couple of final questions here. Any books you're reading now that you'd like to recommend to the audience? So actually the one I'm writing reading right now is the new Mike McCallowitz book. Okay. Market Different. Okay. Um, and it just came out a couple of months ago. And I really like it. It's all about really changing how you're messaging and how you're talking to your clients. So it doesn't feel like it doesn't have that marketing spammy feel to it and really being able to talk to specific needs that they have. So I, I love it. It really fits in with how I like to sell and how I teach all my clients to sell. Um, so that's the one I'm reading right now. I also love his book, Profit First, which is awesome if you are uh, that entrepreneur that's trying to figure out the scaling thing and how to make sure yep. you're getting paid. Yep. And yeah, we follow then, we follow that for awesome. not to 100%, but we're like, 80% there. So yeah, it takes a little bit to adjust everything and get into that system hundred percent. So, but I love that one. I kind of like all his books, really. Uh, Pumpkin plan was the first one that really got me hooked on him. And uh, since then, every time a book comes out, it's like, Oh, I'm adding to my library. So go. I have this little Michael McCallowitz section in on my wall. Shrine to him. Exactly. Uh, awesome. So where can listeners connect, learn more about your company, what you do, um, any website, Easiest way is go to www.time-on-target.com. That's my website. You can find out all about me. Uh, hit the about page. You can find out a little bit more me in person. You can also see all the podcasts and uh, some different uh, magazine articles I've written. And if you want to reach out, just send me an email at kevin.snow at that same domain name. And let me know uh, that you heard me on Business with Beers. And I would love to chat and talk about their business and give them some, uh, some feedback. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today and sharing all your insights on on marketing and sales and creating relationships. I think you added a ton of value and um, appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brian. I really enjoyed my time. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode of Business with Beers. My goal with every episode is to help inspire you to reach new levels of success in your own business and life. So start taking action today. And in order to help this podcast reach more people, please rate, review, and share to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, check out the links in the show notes. And until next time, have a great day.